Hey there, I'm Craig Hemingway, Communications Manager for the City of Moose Jaw, and welcome to the Notorious Jawcast, the official podcast of the City of Moose Jaw, Canada's most notorious city. Well, just like that, spring has sprung. Already so much less snow than there was this time last week. Gone are minus 40 temperatures, and looking to uh, mid-teens even by uh, towards the end of March. So looking forward to all that. Of course, the melting snow has exposed some potholes around the city, so might as well give a shout out to the pothole hotline, 694-4550, if you have a pothole to report here in the city of Moose Jaw. Coming up on this episode of the Notorious Jawcast, what do you want to see in the city of Moose Jaw when it comes to recreational facilities and opportunities? A community conversation is coming very soon. Parks and Recreation Scott Osmachenko will tell us more. How about the revised fire safety bylaw, carbon monoxide detectors, fire pits, and more? What are the changes? Our Fire Chief Rod Montgomery will tell us all about that coming up as well. And speaking of bylaws, at the March 11th meeting of City Council, our Department of Planning and Development presented drafts of two new bylaws, Vehicles for Hire, which would regulate taxi and shuttle services, and a Rideshare bylaw that would regulate rideshare services in the city, which we currently do not have in Moose Jaw. You might recall provincial legislation has been passed allowing rideshare services in Saskatchewan, and the cities of Regina and Saskatoon have dealt with that with their own rideshare bylaws. So we're looking for your feedback on our proposed bylaws, and you can do that right now. Just go to moosejaw.ca. You'll easily find the link on the top of the home page that will take you to the drafts of the two new bylaws and just send an email to our planning department, planning at moosejaw.ca by March 31st with your feedback on those. Now, onto the amended fire safety bylaw. We sat down with Moose Jaw Fire Chief Rod Montgomery to discuss some of the highlights of the amended bylaw, which has received initial approval from Moose Jaw City Council and will go for potential final readings March 25th. I thought it'd be good to catch up with you and just go over some of the things that uh, we may not have talked in depth about in regards to the to the fire safety bylaw. We've we've discussed, uh, of course, the nu- nuisance, uh, you know, fees related to nuisance calls and those sorts of things, but uh, let's go to some other things now. Let's start with carbon monoxide detectors. In the revised fire safety bylaw, mandatory to have a carbon monoxide detector in every Moose Jaw residence, correct? That, yeah, that's pretty close, uh, Craig. Certainly you have to have a gas-fired appliance to make it applicable. If you, if you just run on electric, you would never, there would be no requirement for that. But under the building code and the fire code of Canada, uh, uh, certainly there's requirement in the new act that you have those. And what we're saying in the bylaws, everybody should have one. Seems to make sense. Those, those detectors do save lives, right? They do, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you'll see a lot of public education, a lot of advertisement, and certainly in Eastern Canada more so where they'll say these two devices are heroes. And and they're bang on. I mean, the, for the cost of them and that and to have them in your house, uh, I guess the question would be, why wouldn't you? Instead of why would you want to have them, why wouldn't you want to have them is, is really the question I would put back at people. But So in the bylaw, uh, certainly our concept is that uh, in the proposed bylaw that uh, every home should have a carbon monoxide detector alarm and a working smoke alarm as well. And again, uh, as we, we discussed at length at council that uh, um, the intent there is certainly when we look at residential places in the city, we don't have the n- resources, nor do we want to go 
home by home looking at people, we'd, we'd certainly want to use it as an educational tool. But uh, when we look at our rental properties in the city, that's something for people who are probably the more vulnerable sector in, 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 uh, in the city of Moose Jaw that uh, it's a requirement that they have them and that uh, people in rental properties make sure that they're supplied and they should. Yeah, and, so, and to your point, um, the bylaw is not designed to, to go after people and you as you said, knock on doors to find out if you've got one, but really just it's a great reminder that it is in the bylaw that how valuable they are, right? Oh, absolutely. So that's, I mean, that's, that's a portion of the new bylaw. There's lots of things that we wanted to address. Um, certainly when we're making a bylaw, the, the, the Fire Safety Act, the National Fire Code and the National Building Code, we can't lessen anything in that, but we can be more exacting. So if there's something that we want to address because it's a, a local concern or something that we've noticed, we can address in the bylaws. So we can never take away something in the National Building Code or Fire Code. Uh, we can't change those things, but we can make them more exacting. And, and there's a couple of examples in, in our bylaw uh, where we talk about that. And one of them being uh, blow lamps, another being the hay, hay, uh, haystack size. Um, so in the Fire Code of Canada, the footprint is about a thousand meters squared. And in the city of Moose we're saying, because you're built around a city that was built in the early 1900s, things expand, of course, and they get captured inside. Uh, you have that almost like an urban-rural interface, and uh, so there's things that we think need to be addressed, and the, the size of straw storage would be one of them, or hay or straw. And uh, so we've lessened that. We've made it more exacting, and we shrunk it down to about a 500-meter square, so we think that's more... Uh, I think people can appreciate it, uh, people who are residents of Southville, etc. Uh, the smoke that was caused by those straw fires, etc. Uh, it took quite some time to extinguish them. And, and, and it is a, it's a, it's a heck of an effort when you, it's different when you're out in the country and it's not in, impacting anybody, but when you're in the city, that makes a big difference. Sure. Uh, adjustment to the bylaws surrounding fire pits. Can you talk about that? Yes, uh, we made, uh, really we wanted to lay it out so people could look at the bylaw and understand it and, and say, okay, this is what's allowable and this is what I have to do. Uh, you know, vegetation, I can't have a fire pit under uh, um, a power line coming to my house. I can't have a, a fire pit within uh, 10 feet of anything. So. It really lays it out. I think it gives it uh, some clarity. And the old bylaw mentioned it had to be an engineered device. While well, we're still looking for that, uh, however, it just needs to be, uh, it can't be bigger than 30, uh, 30 inches in diameter. You need to have a, a metal grate on it, uh, 16 gauge steel, and the openings can't be more than a half an inch. So uh, the circular pits, we know they're out there already. We just want to, so they're happening already. So we just want to, hey, this is the bylaw. This is what it's got to look like. Uh, you do all these things, you'll be okay. We want people to enjoy fires and a nice summer night. There's nothing like sitting at one, but there's got to be rules around that too. And, and sometimes, because I mean, we all want to be good neighbors, but sometimes we forget that. And uh, so you need a bylaw or something to remind people. So. Again, the idea behind the fire pit uh, that you wouldn't be able to, uh, there's certain times a day that the fire pit's allowed. 
Uh, certainly you can't go past midnight. And that's in consideration. And you got to think about your neighbors and, and that's one of the things. We don't want people out at two, three in the morning and still have that fire roar and, and people can't enjoy or can't even get to bed. So. So that was one of the things we considered. Yeah, that really works in conjunction with the, the noise bylaw, really, because the, the fire itself may not make much noise, but it's the, the people enjoying the fire that may, right? Well, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it works in conjunction. When we were working with our attorney on, uh, on this bylaw, we were trying to take out things that overlap between other bylaws so, uh, so that it was nice and uh, tight so that it doesn't get long-winded, so to speak. Right. Anything else, uh, you know, say similar to the fire bylaw, things that, that might affect, uh, you know, a day-to-day resident, some of the things that they would do in, again, like enjoying a fire, which many people do. Are there any things like that that we need to be aware of? Well, I think there's lots of things. Uh, again, the fire code and the building code were, um, the new version came out in 2015. The Fire Safety Act is new. It came out in 2013. Most people aren't going to look those up or have access to those. So our bylaw just adopts those those uh, rules and regulations of those things. There's a couple things in there as far as the day-to-day life for people. I think the bylaw clearly identifies for people what their fire department is. It's a requirement of the Fire Safety Act. I mean, we do it with our business plan as well. It outlines that, but people can look online. They can look at the bylaw. They know what it's a full-time career department. They can see that in the bylaw and, and they can go from there. So that satisfies what we have to do under the Fire Safety Act, but it also gives people a way to look at what their fire department does. There is some talk about enforcement that if, you know, if there was some type of compliant and you were issued a fine for whatever reason, that then it, it could be, it would be just like any other bylaw, either you pay the fine or it would be, it would be placed on your, uh, your, your tax roll. So that could affect somebody. Uh, certainly we hope that in compliance that that would never become an issue. But uh, again, when we talked and uh, we've talked a lot about the nuisance bylaw, but we want to remind people that this isn't just uh, um, something where we're coming down with a heavy hand. You're going to have uh, more than ample time to know that you're, you're, there's a problem. There'd be once, no problem, twice, hey, look, at, we're going to give you a heads up. And the third time it happens, you'll, you'll pay a fine if we can't remedy it. But again, it's all about education. I think the bylaw then puts some rigor to it so that there is a method for, for us to correct those mistakes outside. And if it has to be punitive, uh, that's the way we will go. But certainly that's not what we we hope that we can get compliance, but failing that, uh, uh, we want to be able to address it by some type of enforcement. I think there's, uh, when we talk about the bylaw as well, there's lots to do with fees. Um, so it, it gives a little clearer indication. People can look at that. Well, what's the fee for service and what do those fees look like? So it's in the bylaw and, uh, and they're justifiable then as well. Moose Jaw Fire Chief Rod Montgomery, we're talking about uh, the revised fire safety bylaw, which is going to go to City Council for final approval uh, at the next regular meeting of Council on March 25th. Uh, anything else to add, Chief? I think we've pretty much covered it all, Craig. I would like to add one more comment. Oh, uh, I think uh, spring is in the air right now, and we're starting to see some thaw. Uh, the snowpack isn't that heavy, but... Still, Moose Jaw always experiences some level of threat for flooding throughout the river valley. 
most of those homes in the valley are are fully aware of what uh, what precautions they have to take to protect their property uh, over the course of time. The city's offered to buy out people or whatever, and and they've ceased to do that type of thing. However, uh, if uh, people haven't built their retaining walls, etc., that I just remind them that spring is coming to be watchful of uh, any uh, any um, chance of flooding that you may experience in the river valley and just be aware that it could happen at any time because of the ice jams. There's really no way we can predict that one way or the other. Our thanks to Fire Chief Rod Montgomery. Now to Parks and Recreation. What do you envision for recreational facilities and recreational opportunities over the next few years or even decades in Moose Jaw? What should our priorities be for parks and green spaces? The City of Moose Jaw is hosting one of 50 community conversations on parks and recreation thanks to a grant from the South Central Community Foundation. To tell us more is our Recreation Services Manager, Scott Osmachenko. Scott, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks. So we're having a community conversation uh, in regards to parks and recreation. Before we get to what will be discussed, uh, interesting piece of this is that we were a recipient of a, of a grant from the South Saskatchewan Community Foundation to host this conversation. So explain that piece first. For sure. So what they wanted to do was actually, this is their 50th year of operation, and they awarded 50 grants grants to communities all throughout South Saskatchewan and what the idea is is to have a conversations by the, the users who could then provide feedback and a report and actually do research um, related to what's important to the community and then when they develop their grants they would use that feedback from the community to develop criteria or questions or goals or initiatives that they want to do related to their grant funding. Okay, and the South Saskatchewan Community Foundation does provide grants to a number of organizations uh, in Moose Jaw and well, in Southern Saskatchewan, but we know every year they're awarding money back to numerous. Absolutely, and the exciting part is actually is along with the City of Moose Jaw, uh, the Moose Jaw YMCA and the South Central Regional Immigration Partnership are also having these conversations in the next month. Fantastic. Sticking with uh, purely parks and recreation, this really does line up to uh, conversations that have been having within City Hall in regards to parks and recreation and wanting to start the conversations with the community about what we want to see happen in our community in regards to parks and, and recreation and, and, and community spaces and activity right. over the next 5, 10, 20, 25 years, right? Mm -hmm, correct. So there was in, in 2000... And uh, 15, there was an actual recreation framework, and what it identified was five kind of key elements, one being active living, one being access, you know, connecting people, supportive environments, and then capacity. So that's kind of what we're looking at doing. And along those frames is what we want to frame this conversation about related to parks and recreation and what it means in your community. Certainly times have changed, and it's probably been a long time since the city of Moose Jaw has really been... All right, let me back this up where anything really new has sprouted up in the city in regards to uh, a recreation area or an opportunity for maybe a new, new sporting activity, recreation activity. Of course, uh, the police bike park would be mm -hmm. an exception to that, the skate park. So we've had seen, seen some changes along those lines. So this right. is really a chance to find out 
what are people's goals and desires looking ahead and not necessarily relying on tradition to say, well, because we built this here at this time and there's one of these here, well, we just got to build more of those. Right. It might be time for, maybe time for something new. It is, absolutely. And then look at the focus of, I'll use a playground, for example, which has kind of been that zero to 10 population. But should we, in new parks, new spaces, should we look at how we utilize that that park uh, seasonally like all year long and as well as should we develop elements for uh, teenagers or young adults or seniors what's what's important in those activities so should we build uh, more skate parks should we build basketball should we have you know um, what they call passive parks with shelters and tables and checkers and information like that too so that's what we're looking for that type of feedback and I'll use one example of which we've heard is that there is a need for a pickleball court outside so we've had that feedback given to us so we're looking for more insight from the community related to those type of ideas. That's fantastic. And so the night to have that conversation is March 21st at the Kinsman Sportsplex. Uh, we have that meeting room there. So it's not real big in the meeting room there, right. but uh, do we want people to tell us ahead of time they're coming or do, do they have to? They could definitely RSVP, let us know if they're interested in coming. Again, it's not like a formal town hall meeting. It's really informal. We'll introduce um, kind of the idea. So if you come at, you know, if you can't come at 6.30 or if you come later, what we'll be asking you to do is actually fill out uh, eight questions and have that conversation. Uh, we'll, be, I'll, we'll be there on staff to have uh, insight and talk about your comments, but we're really going to get you to write write down your conversation as well. And again, this is done by qualified research professionals. So we'll create a report, send it back to the Saskatchewan or South Saskatchewan Community Foundation. They'll create an actual report and uh, that'll also be online. So um, anytime you come, um, we'll have these eight questions ready for you to answer about what's important to your community. It's a great gift really for Parks and Rec to have this, right? Because again, South Saskatchewan Community Foundation will use it for their purposes in determining how they allocate grant funding. But but here we'll have all this information that will help our Parks and Recreation Department make those plans Correct. for the future. Yeah, so it'll help us with our capital projects, our operating budget, and then the way we also have our community grants, um, just insight about that, what what's important. And anytime we get engagement from the from the community, it, it helps us make more informed decisions. If somebody can't make it to the 21st, we're still going to have an opportunity to allow residents to provide feedback on those questions though, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah. So we all know times are changing necessarily in-person meetings aren't always the way we do business. So we are, if you can come to a conversation, um, meet with the other citizens, I am, we are looking at having an online um opportunity to provide your feedback as well so these eight questions will be posted on the website you could provide your feedback send it back to us and then i'll also include that in the report okay the uh in-person conversation is the 21st and we'll have those questions up on the website for you to uh, take on march 25th anything else to add yes everyone's welcome and again um we really want to focus on what's important to your community, what's working, uh, what ideas you might have for future improvements, uh, and then you know, what kind of community do you want to have? What makes this a, a great place to work, play, and, and, and live? And that's the kind of questions we're asking. We're going to be notoriously active. We want you to tell us how. Exactly, yes. That's Scott Osmachenko, our Recreation Services Manager. And that will do it for this episode. If there's something you feel we should cover on a future episode of the Notorious Jawcast, let us know by email. Write to me, in fact. chemingway at moosejaw.ca.